0: Good morning, and welcome to Faithbrook. My name is Josh Friesen, and I'm one of the volunteer hosts here at Faithbrook. Whether you're joining us in person or online, we are so thankful and excited you've joined us for worship today. If you're newer here, we would love to get to know you. So in the seat in front of you, there is a blue Connect card. Please consider filling it out and dropping it off in the giving boxes on the way out. What you can expect is somebody from our church will reach out to you so you can get to know a little bit more about Faithbrook and we can get to know a little bit more about you as well. Our vision here at Faithbrook is to create a healthy, vibrant, and spirit-guided church, impacting not only those locally, but across the world as well. And this Christmas, we wanna invite you to participate in our Operation Christmas Shoebox program. Our goal this year is to do 75 shoeboxes. Last year, we did 55. We wanna boost that up a little bit. Our area of greatest need is boys, 10 to 14, And right outside the door, there's a list of items that are still needed. Our last day to collect donations is next Sunday, November 5th. And after that, our Youth and Level Up Ministries will be having packing parties in order to put all the donations together. Or if you wanna pack it yourself, you can grab a box as well. We look forward to how the Faithbrook community can impact kids around the world through the Operation Christmas Shoebox program. Well, in just a second, we're gonna welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we kick off our brand new series, Build a Boat.
1: Hey, guess what Bible story we're gonna be focusing on through this series? Oh, you guessed it right, Noah's Ark. Oh, one of the most iconic, legendary, cute little stories in the Bible. Do you remember maybe as a kid, uh, your parents or maybe a teacher teaching you about Noah's Ark we've seen all kinds of pictures and pillows and and there's that cute guy in front of that brown boat right and there's a ramp and there's the, the little animals 2 by 2 so cute right and above us is rainbow and some doves it's, it's a great beautiful story people love that story they they love jokes about that story Noah's Ark right like my grandmother, so old, her first cruise was on the ark, right? Or, hey, I hear you're trying to build a boat. I know a guy, Noah guy, you know, I could help you maybe. Yes, well, I want to welcome you today. Fall has shown up. I'm donning my flannel on, not because I'm a deer hunter, because it's just downright cold these days. So, uh, welcome. If this is your first time, or maybe you're watching online. You can't make it out this morning. We want to welcome here you here at Faithbrook. I'm excited about this new five-week uh, series uh, all around the story of Noah's Ark. <clears throat> uh, the story starts in Genesis chapter six through eight. It's one of the most iconic, uh, well-known stories. Hard to believe people would say. And we're going to be learning uh, some of the lessons uh, through this story next five weeks into November. How it can apply to us, how it can apply to our family, um, and what we can learn. Now, let me just kind of set this up. Uh, Believe it or not, it's the first big story of the Old Testament after creation. Uh, God, uh, Moses wrote the book of Genesis. He shares that God created humanity, uh, Adam and Eve, right? It was a beautiful thing. He says, man, just enjoy yourself. I've created all these animals, birds, bees, mountains, lakes, it just, just enjoy it. And one of the things that God did is give the gift to humans, the gift of love. Uh, technically, we would probably call that the gift of uh, free agency. In other words, you can't experience love if you're forced to love something. It has to be a choice. You, you want to fall in love with something. And God says, I want you to love me. I've designed this beautiful Atmosphere and earth enjoy it, but I want you to obey me. I want you to honor me. I want you to worship me because you want to, not because you're a spiritual robot. You don't have a choice. I want to give you a choice. Now, I also want to give you a choice to love your neighbor, to care about your family and people around you, but it's got to be a choice. The rest of the mammals, they don't have a choice. They're just by instinct, but you have a soul. You know what's morally right and wrong. And so I hope you do what's right. And many of you know that, uh, man, the devil creeps up on uh, uh, Eve and tempts her, right? She bites the apple, Adam bites into it, and the deal is off. Now there's going to be a curse. Now there's going to be sin infested in society. And before you know it, there's some moral, uh, soul corruption. People get really selfish. You see a really breakdown society right away. The first family, uh, there's you know, the murder of Cain and Abel. And before you know it, the, the word says that man did not do well. Uh, they are not getting along, they are taking advantage, they are hurting each other. And about the time you get to chapter six of Genesis, you'll see that God has had enough. God is upset. And so Moses writes, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of thoughts of the human heart was only evil at all times. I mean, you think about that. God's watching humanity. He knows our thoughts. He's like, these people don't care. These people are just constantly uh, thinking what's best for them, and if someone hurts, they're hurting them back, and taking advantage, and there's violence, and there's evil. And and then it says that the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. Now, the word regret means that he's sorry. He's brokenhearted that he ever started this experiment that he put in all that time and the imagination and wonder and all that gift in us. And now it's like, was it worth it? That there's one planet with these human beings that would honor me and honor each other and they're, and they're just blowing it. They just don't even care and says he's deeply troubled. Now he's grieving. Sometimes we don't realize that God has feelings too, right? He, he's kind of almost like a parent. He, he sees his children. He wants the best for them and it, and it hurts him and he grieves him. That they are just trashing what He has designed and brought together for them. He's deeply troubled. And then it says, So the Lord said, Well, I'm will wipe from the face of the earth the human race that I have created. I'm I'm done. I'm, I'm having a major reset on the human race. But it goes on in chapter six that he found a man. He found a person. His name was Noah. And Noah found favor with the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. In other words, there was something different about Noah compared to all of his peers. That he walked with God. He was faithful with God. He was righteous. He was moral. He was was godly. There was something different about this Noah guy that God saw. And he says, man, I'm going to find favor with him. I'm going to do something special with him. The scriptures continue to say that now earth was corrupted in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. And I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. All right? I I can't take it anymore. Kind of reminds us as if you're a parent and you have given a creation or birth to your kids. You love them so hardly. You've brought a house together, and you want them to love their siblings and their and their um, brothers and sisters, and all of a sudden, uh, they are just hurting their brothers and sisters. They're damaging and insulting and making fun, right? And there's tears, and they're just fighting, and a parent just wants to say, stop it, stop it. This is not the vision. This is not what's right in our home. And And a parent might... Crack down on pretty hard and say you you can't hurt your brother like that. You can't hurt your sisters. There There's be this major timeout time, right? It's kind of what God's doing. It's like, okay, you you can't do that to each other. This is not right, and I'm choosing in this this situation. I'm just wiping you all out with a great flood. Now this is hard to hear. This is troubling that God would do this. This doesn't sound like a gracious, loving God that I know. Well, let's just take a moment. And just look at God's nature. We know that God is holy and God is righteous. And righteous things do the right thing. And we also know that God is love. He's the designer of love. He is love and love doesn't ignore evil. If you love something, you cannot turn away. You have to address what is being damaged. You have to address the disrespect. To the holy thing or to other people. And God's righteousness and his love called for him to respond the evil, the, the wickedness that was happening. Theologian Richard Taylor says: under he, he, God is under a righteous obligation to correct what is wrong and save what is right. He is under a righteous obligation obligation to correct what is wrong and save what is right. And so this demanded that God step in. This demanded accountability. This demanded some judgment. You can't get away with this. Uh, We kind of see this maybe as citizens in our world today. Um, There's something inside of us when there is a crime or a, a violation. Let's say someone goes in our neighbor's house and hurts that family or takes something and breaks stuff. There's something in this that says, that's not right. We need to track that person down and they need to be uh, uh, arrested and penalized, right? You just can't go around and just hurt people and kill people without uh, someone stepping in and say that that's wrong and it has to be addressed. Uh, it's called morality. It's called ethic behavior to say, no, we don't just say, well, too bad for you. We say, no, that's not right. You need to be held accountable the same way with humanity and even us. And so in this case, Jesus says to Noah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring judgment. I'm going to call him on the carpet, and, but you need to build a boat because a flood is coming. And he says to Noah, now here's a deal that I'm going to have with you, all right? I need you to build a boat. I will establish my covenant with you. And you will enter an ark. An ark is, means a shell. It's kind of a, just a big floating boat, this ark. And your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. In other words, gather your family because it's a coming. And, and we're going to have you get on that ark. And this is a covenant that there's going to be some salvation. And I'm going to save you through this boat. So many of you know the story, and we're going to be looking at that in the next couple of weeks, that sure enough, the rains would come 40 days. It took a lot of rain. I mean, people started drowning. It was a bad day. And all of a sudden, they start floating with all these animals. They were floating a long time, like over 150 days, months. Things are getting long. They have to manage all these stinky animals. They got to manage their their family members. And it's tight quarters. And it's cloudy. And it's rainy. And when is this going to end? And we're going to talk about these kind of circumstances in our life when things don't just... uh, take over or change instantly? What do we do with the the stinky situations in our home or the family members, right? Uh, What do we do when when, uh, we got to bring in all these uh, animals? And then finally, we're going to look at God's faithfulness. How through it all, you build that boat, I'm going to stay with you. And they're going to land and the clouds are going to part and the sun is going to shine. That beautiful day where God said, come out, come out. You are obedient, and you're going to start humanity all over again. Uh, I'm going to give you a rainbow, just to tell you, and the birds are going to be flying, the, the birds chirping. It's going to be a beautiful thing. But this first part of the story, of the flood, uh, God is asking us to learn something from it. Maybe there's something we can apply to our life. Maybe there's something that we need to wake up to. Maybe there's a parallel of Noah's day, in our day today, some people have said, you know, a lot of times our society and what the brokenness in our world just concerns me. There's just a lot of violence. There's a lot of ungodliness. There's a lot of immorality. You can ask people, not just in the church, but outside the church. And you say, how do you think the world is doing in society? And a lot of times it's like, well, it's not doing that well. <laughs> if you ask somebody, do you think the world is broken and they say, yes, between our politics and ethics and environment and wars and chaos, something is wrong. Something is not going well. Just look at the headlines. I mean, it's hard to even look at the, the headlines. The crime rate, uh, the, the rate of suicide that is ri- raising, rising. You, you see these mass shootings. It's just prolific. Uh, you see the Middle East that's just firing up. Did you hear about the pilot the other day that was taking psychedelic drugs and he gets into the cockpit and all of a sudden he starts pulling switches to kill the, the engines and, and could, took, took the plane down. They, they Finally, they rescued and you're just like, what's the guy thinking? I mean, just weirdness, right? What used to be a right is now seen as, as wrong. And what was wrong is like, oh no, that's fine now. It, it's right. And so there's this moral confusion and chaos that can be happening. Now, some people speculate that this is kind of like what Noah's day, that God is looking at the earth and saying, man, we're going to bring it to an end. We we call some of those the the last days. In fact, people remind us that the apostle Paul wrote to his apprentice Timothy about the last days. And he wrote a paragraph, said, but understand this, that in the last days, there's going to be times of difficulty. Now, I'm going to read this list, and I would ask you to ask yourself, do we see any of these symptoms, these traits, in our society today, in our world today? For people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasing, slanderous, without self-control, and brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Oh, having an appearance of godliness, oh yes, we're moral, We're, we're moral people, but denying its power, the power of God in their lives. So some people say, you know, it kind of reminds us of, of Noah's day. Uh, the other day, a, a gentleman was telling me that he was just kind of s- struggling with society. It's just see the coarsening of society, at least here in America, right? People much harsher. People are are quick tempered. There's not much tolerance. to flippy the bird. to get mad. The debate. There's division. Right? People are just not like getting along. What's kind of going on? We had a dinner table last week and asked my son, you know, how how school go? What, what happened today? He's like, well, we had a hero drill. A hero drill. And I was like, well, What's that? The hero drill. He says, well, Dad, you know, uh, the, the lockdown drills, right, that can be an intruder and stuff. So they're teaching us that we're either going to hide, we're going to fight, or we're going to flight. And so today was our drill to fly, to fly out. And so we all just escaped out of the, the building. We had to practice that. I'm thinking to myself, wow, so our kids are now just have to be trained for mass shooting and the hide, fight, or, or flight. And, and what's going on here? Could it be that there are some situations that kind of look like parallel in Noah's day where God says, man, you guys are just too wicked. There's too much chaos going on. I'm going to end it. I'm going to bring some judgment. Does God do that? Would God do that in these days? Does God bring judgment to us personally? Now, I don't know how many of you think that you're super evil or violent. I doubt anybody thinks that, right? So would God judge us? Well, the Bible tells us that we have all fallen short of God's ideal, we have all somewhere we have all sinned. We have disappointed God. We offended God, and because we have sinned, there's going to be a penalty. That says that the wages of sin is death. There's going to be a spiritual death. There's going to be an eternal damnation, kind of penalty that will be coming to us. He also, the Bible also tells us that He's going to judge the the world that there is going to be a day where God says it's done, right? You've had your chance, and and we're going to reset this world, just like I did in Noah. Uh, Peter reminds us of that day. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Now, there's a lot of debate on this, when God's going to come and judge the earth in the last days and the apocalypse, et cetera, People, people, a lot of debate and prophecies of when, where, how, these kind of things. And personally, I'm I'm not a big proponent of preaching all about last days and prophecies and end times. I'm just really not that kind of guy. However, I think the story of Noah, Noah's Ark, kind of brings us that we have to be aware that there is going to be coming another judgment. And I share this not to rattle you or or alarm you, but I I share this because I love you that if I love you enough, I'm going to tell you that the Bible does tell that there is going to be another judgment, and God is coming back. I have to tell you that there's a little book in the back of the New Testament called Revelations. It's pretty spooky. It's pretty complicated. It, 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 that, that There is going to be a time where, where there's going to be a tribulation. There's going to be the Antichrist. Now, a lot of people are like, man, I, I kind of feel like that's kind of stuff happening now. Uh, People, not even Christians, are kind of curious about that revelations and end times and lining up. Now, if you look at that revelations, you'll see it speaks a lot about Israel. God's chosen people, Jewish people over in the land of Israel. The book of Revelations talks about the the end. The climax is going to come right there in Israel. There's going to be wars. There's going to be some powers. And and you're thinking, well, there's wars over there right now. Uh, That's why a lot of Christians are keeping their eye on the Middle East. Because that thing starts escalating, right? It's kind of lining up with, with the book of Revelation. And that's, that speaks of end times. And so maybe one of the lessons that Noah's Ark story is kind of t- telling us is that we need to be prepared. Uh, that the God's like, hey, man, be aware that I am coming back. There's going to be a judgment. The Apostle Paul says that when God comes back, Jesus comes back, he's going to be like a thief in the night, We're going to just be doing our own thing, not paying attention, and here he comes. So maybe, just like as Jesus said, the days of Noah, people are not paying attention. We're not paying attention. And out of love and concern, I would share that maybe there's rain clouds of foreman, and maybe there's a flood coming, and we need to say, oh, okay. We need to be aware of that. Now, the same story that God is coming and going to flood the earth, the same story also tells us that God would make a way out. God would make a way out. And it would be through a man. It would be through Noah. And he would build a boat. And it wouldn't be an ordinary boat. It would be a lifeboat, basically. He says, I want you to build it big enough to bring the animals because we're going to reset this. And I want you to bring your family. Now, if it's true that maybe we need to be aware that this is going to start raining here sometime, right? Maybe we need to build a boat. And, and, and maybe that's the essence of the beginning of this, this series, is to build a boat. And the word boat, or the concept of boat, really means to build a life, to build a life like Noah. Now, what does that look like, to build a, a, a boat, uh, an ark, to save us, to save our family? What's that look like? Does that mean that, that God's calling us to build a bunker, right? That, that hey, kids, get over here. We're going to go over there, and we're just going to escape society and culture because it's evil and wicked, and we're just going to just isolate ourselves. You know, that's frozen, chosen, nobody else, right? Not necessarily. God didn't ask Noah to do that. But God's part of this building a boat is that God wants us to build a God-honoring life. God-honoring life. So, so we have a model here of Noah who walked faithfully with God. Somewhere, Noah's like, hey, you know, I'm going to put God first. I'm going to have a relationship with God. Remember, he didn't have the church back then, didn't have the Bible, didn't have Jesus. It was just him and this God, and he walked faithfully with God, this personal relationship with him. And, and because of that, God says, I'm going to give you a mission. I, at least I found someone. I need you to build a boat builder, right? To give life to your family, to, to save the world and the animals. And so sure enough, Noah was willing. He was willing, saying, this is going to be a big job. He started collecting the wood, started making some plans, but God gave him dimensions. He says, I I need the thing to be 45 feet high, three decks, 75 feet wide. It's going to be so big, this will be like a football field and a half. You know, you don't have any Makota uh, battery-operated tools or nails or something like that, cranes, right? It's going to be a big deal. The scholars tell us that it took... 55 to 75 years, you can just imagine, hey, boys, hey, hey family, excuse me, um, uh, there's a big rain coming here, and uh, Dad, uh, God told Dad that we need to build a big old boat. And uh, they're just like, what? And this is going to take like a lifetime, right, to build this, this boat. And then God says we're going to bring the, the animals are going to be coming on, right? And I'm sure the, the brothers and the sister-in-laws are just like, well, what is dad thinking, right? Noah, he's a little bit crazy out there, right? And by, by the way, next week we're going to talk about what we need to bring in our boat, right? God brought the animals. What do we need to bring in our family and bring in our, our life? And I'm sure there was a lot of people thinking that, that Noah was a little crazy. But the scripture says that Noah did exactly as God had commanded him. I have a feeling this took a lot of courage to do what God commanded him. I have a feeling it took a lot of faith. I'm sure there was a lot of obstacles. I'm sure he's like, I don't know where we're gonna get all this wood and keep it together, right? I'm sure there was a lot of uh, doubts through the years, I'm thinking, he's probably, probably thinking this, I, I don't know if this is going to happen. Uh, I, why am I even trying this? I, I can imagine that the word spread out in the community. Crazy Noah, that, that guy, You see that guy down the street, he's building this giant boat in his back house. He, he's telling us that, that God's going to judge the world and he's going to flood the world and we need to get ready. And he's just crazy, right? Let's go party, live it up, right? Well, Noah, Mr. Righteousness down there, he, he's a little weird, right? But because of his obedience, because of his willingness, the story tells us that he would save the world. He would save his family. He would save himself. If this is true, if maybe there's some messages for us today, maybe there's some parallels here today, right? What does our modern day ark look like? What is the boat that God is wanting us to build? What, What is the godliness that God wants in our families and in our lives? Could I share that I think one of the first pieces of things we need to build a God-honoring boat life is to put God first. That somewhere we say, God, I got to honor you first. I'm going to worship you with all my heart, life, and soul. I'm going to honor you and, and, and um, <clears throat> what I do every day and, and worship you. Maybe it's putting a church in a prominent place that we're going to go, kids. God's going to be first. I'm going to take some time to pray and listen to him every day and worship him personally. It makes a statement to our families. It makes a statement to our our neighbors that God is first, just like Noah honored God. And I can't be a hypocrite and say, I love God and he's all that and I don't treat my neighbors and people around me graciously and, and, and wonderfully. I think we serve our neighbors here at Faithbrook. We have kind of a slogan, love God, love people, journey together. So how do we love people, right? Do we have a sensitivity to them? Are we willing to forgive them and be kind to them and be uh, open to them? Sometimes we have to set boundaries if we're going to have a God honoring life. We're going to have to realize that not everything is probably healthy for our soul and our life. So, so how are we navigating that? Right? How are we making decisions? What is the kind of entertainment that we're going to uh, deal with or, or not deal with? we we got to look at our kids, right? And there's a lot of families that are wrestling. They realize maybe there's something going on in society that's not super healthy for my kids. And so every day we're, we got to make decisions, especially the education. So some families are wrestling. Hey, public school, private school, homeschool. You know, these are big decisions because we got to build this boat. we got to build this God-honoring life. Uh, if you uh, come to my house and um, walk out the door, our main entry, <coughs> you'll see a little plaque above the door. Most people don't see it, but it's kind of an old plaque. Terry and I have carried it a long time. It comes out of Joshua where it says, For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, back in Joshua 24, uh, Joshua looked at the people and said, we got to make up our minds. Are you going to follow yourself and do whatever everybody else does? or we're gonna follow God. And he says, I, I can't control you, but for me and my family, my family, we're gonna serve the Lord. So I've carried that plaque around through our years. It's a statement to my kids. It's a statement to myself, statement to our visitors. Hey, that's the comfort house. It's about serving, self, serving the Lord. Now, my, my teenage boys who are growing up in our home, you know, once in a while, they, they'll just figure it out. They'll be like, you know, I, I've noticed dad and mom, we're a little bit different than, than my peers. We kind of uh, live a little bit different, I noticed, right? We, we don't do everything that they do. We don't say everything we do. We, 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 don't, we give when they don't give, right? And, and we're a little bit odd or, 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 or weird, right? And sometimes they're like, that doesn't always feel good. And I kind of snicker. I was like, I'm sorry, man. I'm so sorry. But you were born, fortunately, unfortunately, into our, our house, right? Because your mom and I, before we even married, we made a decision that Christ was going to be first in our life. We found each other. Man, that thing clicked. And we looked at each other when we got married and say, you know what? I wasn't even in ministry. But we're just like, Jesus is going to be Lord of our life, whatever we do. Think or thin. nobody follows. We're going to be Lord. We're, I don't care if we're ministry or not. God's going to be first. And so... That's who we are. That's why that plaque is on that board, and we are maybe a little bit different. And they're like, oh, So good luck, kid. You'll you'll have a chance in your life, right? You're going to have that same choice. Are you going to raise your kids in a godly house, and God's going to be first? You're going to have to make that choice. But for me and my house and your time right here, you're going to live with a guy who's like Noah. He's going to do all he can to live holy, and your mom is going to be also. It's about being found righteous like Noah. Being found righteous like Noah. Do we want to be found righteous like Noah? The word righteous is kind of complicated, but we know the root word of righteous is right. It's being right with God. The thus, the righteousness is about living that out, right? Our morality, our ethics, our integrity. Uh, we like to say it, righteousness is like living like Christ. Christ-likeness is our goal. But first we have to be right with God. God to be found righteous like Noah. Well, how do we get right with God? What does that mean to get right with God? Does that mean we're just going to work really hard on being more of a righteous person, a good person, that when God, we come to that time before God on a judgment day, that God's like, oh, you you had a lot more good acts than bad acts and you're better than that neighbor. and, And so that makes you righteous? Not at all. The Bible doesn't speak to that. To get right with God will take a man And we'll take a vehicle. We'll take a a man and a vehicle, just like in Noah's days. It would take a person like Noah, and he would have to build a vehicle called the ark that people would be saved from the flood. Now, my friends, Christ is the Noah of today, and the cross is the vehicle to getting right with God. Christ is the Noah that comes to us and says, "Get on the boat." And the the cross is the vehicle to get to that boat, to be right with God. See, God so loved us that he says, man, I'm not giving up on you. I'm going to send myself through my son, Jesus Christ. He's going to be born as a human. He's also going to be divine at the same time. He's going to go through everything you went through. And he's going to be falsely accused. And pretty soon he's going to be nailed on a cross. And that cross is going to spill his blood. Because that blood is meant to atone and to forgive your unrighteousness, your wickedness, your sinful acts. Because without that, we are separated from God. Kind of like this graphic right here. It's kind of simple graphic of, of um, this is us, man, man, humanity on the left. Uh, there, there's some brokenness happening. There's some sin that, that is happening, and, and we, we want God. We, we'd hope to be God, and God represents everything we'd want, peace in our heart, We'd have some confidence and faith and there's going to be a godly heaven and there's going to be some godly principles and, and God, God is good, God is love, but what separates us is, is our, our decisions to sin against him that causes chaos and some brokenness and some hurt, right? And so we desperately want to get to God, but we can't because there is sin that is a barrier and sin is going to lead us to an internal pit one day, the separation from God. And so God brings a boat. God brings a vehicle. It's called a cross. And he spans that, that cross. And Jesus was on the cross. Jesus is not on the cross now because he rose from from the cross and the dead. And he offers this salvation, if you will, to himself, a man, just like Noah did, that would build a boat and Jesus would lay on the cross and die on the cross. So if anyone would figure that out, and say, oh, okay, I need to get on the boat. I need to build a boat and get right with God. They would have God in their life. Now, friends, we, we, we don't live in judgment days. There's clouds maybe forming out there, but we're not living in judgment days right now. We are living in the days of grace. The same writer, Peter, who wrote about the end times, that God is going to destroy the earth, also wrote this. Second Peter the Lord is not slow in fulfilling his promises. Some count on slowness. Some people are like, why isn't God coming back? You see how wicked this world is? He needs to come back. He's not slow in promises like that, but this is the reason why. But he is patient towards us, not wishing that anyone should perish. God doesn't want to flood the earth. God doesn't want to destroy people. God loves people. He doesn't want anyone to perish. But he's given us time that we should all reach repentance. Say, man, we need to acknowledge and repent of our sin. And asks him to come into our life and get on that boat and build that boat. And God's so faithful, God's so loving that he would make a covenant. He made a covenant with Noah. Noah, I'm going to establish this promise with you. I'm going to establish a covenant with you. You're with me? And we're going to be walking that covenant, those promises out this series. But he also gives us a covenant. He gives us a promise just like he did in Noah. And he says promises and a covenant with us. Here's the deal. If you are willing to confess your sins, 1 John 1, 9, then I am faithful to forgive your sins and purify you from all your unrighteousness. You got that, Noah? If you confess your sins, then here's the covenant with you. Uh, I'm faithful to forgive and cleanse you. The Bible tells us he'll throw away our sins and drop them in the ocean, the bottom of the ocean, that he remembers them no more, that we're cleansed, we're free, we're forgiven, we are new. The apostle Paul picked up on this. And he says, here's the deal. Here's the covenant that if you in Christ, you're on God's boat, you invited him in, you're trying to build a godly boat, then you're a new creation. The old person, that's gone. You are new in Christ. And here's another covenant with you. If anyone believes in me, they shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Believes in me doesn't mean um, intellectually. You know, the devil believes in in God. That's what that means. But spiritually, you receive me, uh, adopt me, then you will not perish. But you're going to have everlasting life. That's the covenant that he has for you. So the tricky question is, uh, what is our relationship with God? Would God look down on us and see us as faithful and righteous, as he said, with Noah? And somewhere, God is asking us or calling us to build a boat a boat that is God-honoring, that would save us, to save our family. Maybe God's been speaking to you, and maybe this message is assigned to you through God that, hey, maybe I do need to do something different. Maybe I do need to build a boat with God and get right with God. And he's speaking. Now, I'm not here to make a big guilt trip here, but I love you enough to say, man, we cannot ignore what's happening around. Can't ignore that there might be clouds rolling around us, that it is true that God someday is going to say, I'm done and I am coming back for my church and the world is going to have a major reset. Just like in Noah's story, the rain did come and there was flood and a lot of people perished, but we're gonna learn that God never gave up on mankind. God would reset it and there was a beautiful day where that boat nudged into that rock and that mountain and the waters started rescinding and God said to Noah, bring your family out, bring the animals out, it's a new day and the clouds would part and the rainbows would come and the birds were singing and be fruitful, multiply. Let's start this thing over. God gives us that same chance. God gives us that same chance and said, man, I'm gonna make a covenant to you and God made a way. He makes a way through his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross to get right with God. I don't know. Maybe you're like, hey, I'm fine, Jim. Everything's cool. Maybe you're like, man, there is, seems to be some crazy stuff in our society. This world seems to be falling apart. I, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's true that, that God is trying to get our attention could we just take a moment to maybe to to get right? Uh, Maybe God has been speaking to you about getting on his boat, building a boat with him. And and we need to confess. We need to acknowledge where we have been broken and we have disappointed him and offended him. We don't do this very often, but the, the story speaks to it about God giving us a chance to make a way through Jesus Christ. And, if you want to get right with God, maybe you're watching online, I just encourage you to just take a moment to, to sit where you're at, and maybe close your eyes. I'm gonna encourage everybody here. Would you close your eyes at a time of prayer? When we close our eyes, basically it's, it's getting rid of the distractions so God can speak to us. Maybe there's something God is trying to tell you and say to you, but you haven't slowed down enough. Focus in enough to hear his voice. And maybe his voice, it says, I love you, I'm gonna make a covenant with you, but you have to get right with me. This morning I want to invite you to pray. We don't do this often either, but I think this might be the day that we just collectively, audibly say a, a confessional prayer together. It's an invitation. To ask Jesus Christ into our life and our soul, to acknowledge where we're at until you say yes to him. So I'm going to say a sentence out loud. It's a prayer. You can follow along if you're comfortable. And then I'd like everyone to say it out loud together. Just repeat after me God, I acknowledge you that you are holy. God, I acknowledge you are holy. I acknowledge our world is broken. I acknowledge our world is broken. My relationship with you is broken. My relationship with you is broken. Christ, I want a God-honoring life. Christ, I want a God-honoring life. I confess my sin and unrighteousness. I confess my sin and unrighteousness. By faith, I ask you to cleanse my heart. By faith, I ask you to cleanse my heart. In all my unrighteousness, in all my unrighteousness, come into my life and soul. Come into my life and soul. By faith, I commit to build a life that honors you. By faith, I commit to build a life that honors you. Gracious God, just as you look down on humanity, you look on down on us today, and you're looking for the sincere heart. You're looking for the person that said that prayer that really meant it. And I don't understand why or how you would be so merciful to us, but you're, by your amazing grace, you're willing to forgive us you're willing to give us a new start and come into our heart. There might be some people watching today that needed to say that prayer. There might be some people sitting here today <clears throat> that there's tears coming to their eyes because they want their heart cleansed and scrubbed and made new for you. Maybe there's some things happening in their life or they did some things that regret, but they need a great reset to build a God-honoring boat, a God-honoring life. Would you witness to them today, God, that your covenant is true, your promise is true, that you have forgiven them, that they have come into your heart and your family, and there is salvation, and there is eternity waiting for them. I pray you'll bless them. Help us, God, to, to live a life like Noah to be God-honoring. I pray that you'd bring us back in the next couple of weeks to learn the lessons, God, of, of this boat, of building the boat, of hanging in there, and your faithfulness is true. Help us now as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, I, I just want to give you an opportunity. In, a, in, a, in the seat in front of you is a red card. It's called Our Next Step. What's, ne, what's Your Next Step? And this is a way to respond to God. If God ministered you to today, this message ministered to you, would you do yourself a favor and just kind of look at that card? There's some next steps. Uh, uh, there's some interest in there that you say, you know, I, I do maybe need to start reading the Bible more. I, I need to attend more. I, I, I need to find a place to serve God more. But probably the most important is the first box. Today I decided follow Jesus for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time. We would love to know that. We would love to to, uh, encourage you and pray for you. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, everyone, uh, maybe just write down something that God is speaking to you to build a better life. And if you check that box, uh, you write your first name on here and just drop it in the basket on your way out. Then I'm going to collect those and I'll just be praying for you and believing for you. If you said that prayer, you're watching online, you can hit a button on the side there, raising the hand, just an indication You know, I I repeated that prayer. I meant that prayer. And God's covenant is true. Well, let's stand. I'll close you out in a short prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for the Sabbath today, bringing these people together. It's going to be a great series. Now we're going to depart, God, to live your life, to be righteous people. Help us to go in the power and the confidence of your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless. You're dismissed.